Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Would you pray with me as we ask the Lord to speak to us through His Word? Lord, our days were known by you before there were any of them. You knew and desired us to be born and to live during this time. And Lord, we pray we would be good stewards of the giftings you've given us, of the time that we have, of the circumstances that we're involved in, that Christ would have an opportunity to shine brightly through us. They would be filled with your spirit and accomplish your purposes in a time where people are especially hurting and lost and recognizing their lostness. Lord, in a world that people realize they're not in control, may they turn to you, the one who rules, the one who reigns, the one who's in charge. May you continue to use our church locally, globally, wherever we are, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you now that you have given us your word so that we know how to respond and how to live in a day like this. May the Holy Spirit speak through me. May you speak to each one of us. And may our lives become more conformed to Jesus Christ because of what we hear here. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're starting a, a new series, and the title of the series is A hmm, World in Crisis. Not very original, but I think appropriate. And tonight we, we start with a sermon that's entitled, Where Are We Headed? Where Are We Headed? in this world in crisis. And as has already been mentioned, and many of you know, I just got back from a three-week trip in my ancestral home of Greece with my friend Themistocles, or Themis for short, staying with Themis and Donna. And part of that time when Themis didn't have to work, he was able to take a motorcycle trip with me for 10 days, and we traveled about 1,200 miles through, throughout Greece, all throughout. And one of the destinations that we had was to locate... Vlisidia, the village of Vlisidia. And that is a very small village in the Peloponnesos or Peloponnese that my grandfather came from. He was born and raised there. And in 1987, I had a chance to go there for the first time, and I was a guest of, of a, a great cousin, I don't know what you call him, but my dad's cousin, who took me around and he showed me the very house that my grandfather grew up in. And so we were trying to find that house in Vlisidia, and we were asking around to see if we could find this house that I saw three decades ago, and I wasn't exactly sure where it was. And so we kept asking directions, and we found ourselves riding on gravel roads on our motorcycles, and we were not on the kind of bikes that were made for gravel roads, but we were on gravel roads. And we finally came to the village of Vlisidia to the church in the village, which is the nicest and biggest building in the village. It's easy to find. It's at the very entrance. But one of the key things about this Greek Orthodox church, it was built by funds sent by my great-uncle, when he went to America and sent money back to build the church in the village. And part of the property where the church is on used to belong to the Alexandrakis family. That's my family, shortened to Alexander because it's easier to say. And my uncle, we have a picture of him when he was younger with his donkey, and I don't know who that is, but that's my great uncle in Greece who went to America. But as hard as we tried, 
we could not find the house that we were looking for. I'm thinking now that maybe it wasn't actually inside the main village. Maybe it was down a dirt path. I don't remember. We asked everyone in the village that we met. That was one person. Because the village only has a population of five. <laughs> and only one person came out to see us. And she didn't actually look at the picture. She talked to us high above a hill on her balcony. But we couldn't find the house. Where you come from is important. But where you are headed is even more important. We have a world in crisis, and we need to ask the question today, where are we headed? Stepping out of my daily routine, and I would say somewhat daily madness that's going on here, for three weeks of healthy reflection and mental relaxation in one of the safest countries in the world and in Europe, when it comes to COVID, it was almost like COVID didn't exist there. It was pretty amazing. I had a chance to think about other things. And one morning while sitting on a balcony at Themis House in Greece with my Greek friend Themis, reading the New Testament in Greek, discussing Greek words as we were reading and what we were learning from Ephesians, the Lord spoke to me through Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 which says, making the most of your time because the days are evil. But keep in mind, I was not reading this in English. I was reading it in the, the original Greek language, and after I read it and after Themis and I talked about it, I was curious, I wonder what the translation is in English. So we got out our computers and looked up different translations, and I realized that the English reader might be misled by some of the translations. The New American Standard, as I've already mentioned, says make the most of your time. And although I normally prefer the New American Standard as a translation because it's very literal to the Greek, in this case I think it might be misleading as if God is telling us make every second count. And he's not saying that. I talked to one Christian lady recently about this verse, and that was her understanding that when it says make the most of your time, God's saying make every second count. And she said I f she feels guilty when she reads a book that's a secular book or a secular magazine because she's not making every second count. Or if she watches a TV program that's entertaining and mindless, she goes, is is that violating this verse? Or what if you take a nap in the middle of the day? Is that making every second count? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's impossible for any of us, the best of us, the best of you, to make every second count. A better translation is found in the NIV translation. It translates it this way, making the most of every opportunity. Opportunity is the word that's translated as time in the American Standard. The Greeks, of course, have two words for time. <laughs> they seem to have two words for everything that we have one of. And one word is the Greek word chronos. And chronos normally refers to time in terms of seconds and minutes. Chronos is a measure of quantity of time. We get words like chronometer which is a measure of time, a, a way to measure seconds and minutes. It's not going to tell you what um, season you're in, but it'll tell you what minute you're in. But chronos is not the word that's used here in Ephesians 5.16. God is not saying make every second count. 
He's not saying, I got a stopwatch on your activity. The word that's used here is a different word in Greek. It's a Greek word, kairos. And kairos means a space of time. It means a season of time. It means a, an epoch, if you know that word. And if you're British, you pronounce it epoch. And if you don't know how to pronounce it, you pronounce it epic. You know, there's three different ways to pronounce this word. But it means a space of time, a season. And it's the word in 2 Timothy 4.2 when Paul tells Timothy to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. That's the word he uses this there, this Greek word kairos. And in Acts chapter 1 in verse 7, we have both of these Greek words used in the same context. We have the Greek word chronos and kairos. And let's pick it up in Acts 1.6. Acts 1.6 says, So when they had come together, these are the disciples, they were asking him, Jesus, saying, Lord, is it at this time, and he uses the word chronos, chronos this second, this minute, this hour, that you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? In verse 7, he, Jesus, said to them, it is not for you to know times, and that's the Greek word chronos, or epochs, which is the Greek word kairos, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. If you look at your watch, you know what time it is, but you don't know what epoch you live in. You don't know the season. You don't know the opportunity. Now, if I've lost you with all these details and all this Greek, come back because I want to make a point. <laughs> you and I live in an extremely unique epoch, epoch, epic, season, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, of life. There has never been one like this one. It is unique. It's a unique season that God has allowed and God is orchestrating for His purposes. This is God's epoch. And when you understand that, you get chicken skin. You realize that God has a plan and you are part of it. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, God tells you and me to do something with this season. But what does he tell us to do? Well, we saw in the American Standard, they want us to make the most of it. Um, another translation, the New Life version says, make the best of it. But I don't think that's what God is saying. The best translation in the English, you have to go back to 1599, the Geneva Bible says, redeeming the season. Redeeming the season for the days are evil. That word translated redeeming is a compound Greek word. In other words, it's two Greek words put together. And it's a Greek word, ex agarazzo. And as I was reading it in Greek, I knew exactly what it meant. And when Paul's Greek leader, readers read this word, they knew exactly what it meant. It means to agarazzo means to buy, and ex means out of or from, and it was used of someone who was buying a slave out of the slave market. They were redeeming him, buying him out of it. And it's a word that's used of Jesus Christ 
in Galatians 3.13 and in Galatians 4.5 when it says he redeemed us from the curse of the law. He bought us out of the slave market of sin. And Paul uses this very rich word, ex agarazzo, to redeem, to show that when you get redeemed, you radically change your circumstances. And you and I are living in a most unique period of time, of history, and we are being told to redeem it. Our entire world right now is dominated and united by fear. Governments worldwide have implemented the most stringent of restrictions out of fear. Businesses by the tens of thousands have failed because of fear. Churches are dying or disbanded because of fear. People are starving to death. Families are being divided all over fear. Well, fear is not a work of our Lord. It's a work of the enemy. Imagine if a year ago I said to you that our local government was going to take over how we do church. That the local government would dictate things and if we violated them, we would literally be criminals. That we'd be told we cannot celebrate Easter in our church and we can't celebrate Easter on the beach with 800 people like we did the year before. What if I told you that the government would tell us we can't hold Sunday school like we did and Awana like we did and vacation Bible school? We can't have mom's time and we can't have our women's group and our men's group and our life groups. What if you were told, I told you, that they're going to regulate that you can only go out in groups of one? You would say I was nuts. And yet, that's the situation we found ourselves in Hawaii and other states and countries around the world. We are eight months into the season of time, this epoch, with no end in sight. So what should we do as Christians and as a church? How should we respond? Who should we listen to and who should we follow? These are difficult questions with very simple answers. And God has already given us the answers ahead of time because he knew this epoch was going to come upon us. And he's told us, redeem it. Redeem it. Redeem it. Ephesians 5, 16a. Redeem the season. Why? Ephesians 5, 16b. Because the days are evil. They're evil. And during this season, both the devil has a plan and God has a plan. And here's the principle, if you're taking notes. You redeem the season when you follow God's plan, not the devil's plan for the season. That's how we redeem it. We may not be able to get out of the season. It may continue a, far, a lot longer than any of us would like but we redeem it when we follow God's plan, not the devil's plan for this season, for this epoch. The devil's plan is to cause fear, division, dissension, distrust within our nation, our churches, and even in our very homes. 
but we can redeem the season by following God's plan, not the devil's plan. The reason I'm living a comfortable middle-class life in a comfortable middle-class town, finally owning my own home after six decades, and I have a beautiful church, a decent salary, toys to play with. The reason I'm not a shepherd with an elementary school education in a remote village in Greece is because my grandfather redeemed the time. My grandfather got on a donkey. He rode down a dirt path. He got out of the village. He caught a bus. Took it for hours to get to Athens. With all the money he had, he booked a fare on a ship to New York, to Ellis Island, passing the Statue of Liberty. With all the money in his pocket, he started a business. And he put three of his four sons through college. Two of them became doctors. One of them was my father. He got, he got stationed here in Hawaii with the Navy, and that's how I ended up here. Because my grandfather redeemed the season. He took a huge risk. He did things that perhaps other people weren't doing. And my life has been forever changed. My father came to know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. And that spread through our family and all our family came to know Jesus Christ. I don't know if my grandfather will be in heaven, but I know that my father will because of what my grandfather did. What you and I are doing to redeem this season is going to affect our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. So where do you start? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because God has already given us the answers. As we continue to read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, he goes on to say, So then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. There are a lot of foolish things going on, and people are saying foolish things. I've been saying foolish things. You might have said foolish things. But he says, we need to know what the will of God is. And you cannot know God's will without knowing God's word. You cannot know His will without knowing His word. And so you and I need to make a to-do list on how to redeem the time. And here's our to-do list based on the scriptures we're going to look at. The first one on your to-do list to redeem the time is be in the word. Be in the word. Maybe you can't meet in your small group. Maybe you're not meeting in your home group. Maybe you haven't been able to come to, to church. Well, it's your responsibility. We're here to help you, but it's your responsibility to be in the Word. To be in the Word. And I would challenge you, focus on quality, not quantity. It's great if you read the Bible in a year, if you remember what you read. But if you have to read so fast, well, read a chapter in a year. And think about it. 
It's better to read less and think more and meditate more and apply more than to read too much and not apply it. I'm not against reading through the Bible in a year. I did it for 25 years in a row and then decided it was time to try something different. (laughs) You need to be in the Word or the world is going to be in you. And then Ephesians 5.18, he gives us another one on our to-do list to redeem the time. And do not get drunk with wine. 6.30 in the morning, right outside my house, a man who had been drinking already killed a pedestrian about a month ago. Drinking is up. Drugs are up. Suicides are up. Domestic violence are up. It's a very difficult time. And during this difficult time, he says, don't get drunk with wine. Don't look to the world for your answers, for that is dissipation. I had no idea what dissipation meant, so I looked it up. It means harmful wastefulness. But be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. On your to-do list, in this season, this epoch, be in the word number two, be Spirit-filled. Be spirit-filled. The only way to successfully combat a spirit of fear, a spirit of divisiveness, a spirit of defeat, a spirit of loneliness, a spirit of judgment, a spirit of confusion is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We find it helpful at Hello Community Church to use the acronym DAY every day. D-A-Y, be filled with the Holy Spirit. D, desire to be filled. A, ask to be filled. And then when He fills you and lets you know what you should do, Y, yield to the filling. And if you don't yield to what the Holy Spirit tells you, you've got to start all over again because you didn't desire it. So you've got to desire it. Ask, yield. Be in the Word. Be Spirit-filled. There's a third one we see in verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. For a while, all we could do was speak them. We got a clarification from the mayor. I think he maybe had too many phone calls. (laughs) He clarified, oh no, you can sing. So singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord. The third thing we should do is we need to be melodious. Melodious. If you don't know how to spell it, it's on the, the the screen there. We need to be filling our hearts with things that are joyful. We need to be sharing things with people that are joyful. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. We have a lot of sour notes building up in our hearts. That's the devil's work. Melodious notes come from the Lord. Regardless of how evil this season is, you and I still can sing beautiful songs. I noticed that the songbirds outside my house have not stopped singing. And I noticed too, you can hear them better (laughs) because there's less traffic. Now, a few more things I could put on the list, but since I'm out of time but not out of sermon, I'll move a little more quickly. In Ephesians 6.12, we are told why the days are so evil. Why are they so bad? Ephesians 6.12, the next chapter, verse 12. 
Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not about our politicians. It's not about the medical people. It's not even about a virus. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're in a spiritual battle. A battle for the bride of Christ, the church. And the devil and his minions are out to destroy us. And if you can use a virus to destroy the church, he will. But he won't succeed. Don't let him succeed. How do you fight the devil? If only God would tell us how to fight the devil. If only we would read the word. (laughs) He tells us in verse 18. With all prayer. With all prayer and petition. Prayer is maybe general. Petition is specific. With all prayer and petition. Prayer is bless all the missionaries. Eh, That's a good prayer, but it's a little general. Bless Themis and Donna. That's specific. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. What's that mean? Does that mean speak in a heavenly language? No, it means context. Filled with the Holy Spirit. He already told us that. In Ephesians 5, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And now He tells us when you pray, pray filled with the Holy Spirit. With this in view. With what in view? The fact that this is spiritual warfare. You see, a lot of times people read the verses before this about putting on the armor, and then they stop. We already got the armor. God already gave it to you. When you accepted Jesus Christ, He already gave you the breastplate of righteousness. He already gave you the, the shoes of the, you know, with the gospel and the helmet of salvation. He already gave you those things. He handed you a sword already, but now how do you fight? You don't just wear the armor. You fight by praying, not by putting on the armor. So you and I should be praying, in case you haven't figured that out, that's number four if I didn't say it on your list, be praying. To redeem this epoch, these evil days, be in the Word of God. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be melodious singing the songs of God. And be praying and petitioning our God. Because what the church is going to look like in your children's and your grandchildren's generation depends on what you and I do today. Will you join me in redeeming the season? Please pray with me. Lord, we are humbled to think that you want to use us, each one of us, regardless of our age, from the youngest here to the oldest, to the strongest, to the weakest, to the newest Christian, to the most mature Christian. You want to use each one of us for your purposes in this season and this epoch. Use us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, we pray. And as we pray, if you're here, If you're not assured that when you die, you'll go to heaven and be with the Lord Jesus Christ, if there's any doubt, I encourage you as we pray, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, 
If you believe he rose from the grave and conquered death, if you believe he did that for you, why not invite him to come into your life, into your heart, and save you? Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life and save me. And he will answer that prayer. We love you, Lord. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.